Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Wall from Love to Move. I'm joined by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, what is that on top of your head? So why I wear a hat all the time. My hair is getting a little bit out of control. <laughs> we should have gone live with this. Sam, I think, has a, I, th- I think it's a top knot now. I've seen people in Australia cutting those off on, um, on social media videos. Is that, where, is that where we're going? Maybe. Might do it for charity. This is my one chance to see what uh, longish hair looks like on me. So I don't know if I'm loving it at the moment. But, yeah, it's, uh, the, the capwards back life, or the, the backwards cap life suits me a lot more than I think the wannabe Ronaldo at Juventus look. <laughs> Oh well, we are. It's it's just the just one of many challenges of life in lockdown, I suppose. Um, A lot of agents have now come out. um, A lot of agents reporting um, very very busy um, with activity, which is great. What about the agents you're speaking to, Sam? Is that is that the positive message that's that's coming across? It is busy. I think that that's probably the one consistent message from everybody. Yeah. That there's. For some agents who've only been in the industry two or three years, it's the busiest they've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people who sort of perhaps remember the halcyon days um, of when markets just used to make themselves, it's a bit like that again now. Um, but I speak to, you know, the more people I speak to, the more they're saying that they understand that it's a good market that comes with sort of a knife-edged caveat in that it, it may not last, you know. I think it's interesting that people are operating with this mentality that may not last. It actually might give them some really good skills to just continue to make the most of every single day and to try and do things rather than resting on the laurels of oh, it's a good market, a good market lasts. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think, I think it, people are pretty grateful to be busy now, but also there's a, that, in the back of their mind, there's a bit of a sense of worry of how long is it going to last? What, what's going to happen next? You know? And we've got to urge that there's, there's planning that goes into place and you know if you understand a plan you have a process then maybe it won't be as um crazy busy as it is now but certainly you'll still retain market share and you'll have stuff to do yeah i think that's really important that you get a handle on um your plans we've found it particularly challenging over the last few weeks to try and implement the plans that we put in place during lockdown one reason being we thought we would have longer than we did well, 12 hours notice, I suppose, wasn't massive. Um, but we thought we might have a little bit longer than we did to put those plans. But we have managed to take time out of the business to continue to work on the business. I think that's really important so that all of the hard work that hopefully you did in lockdown isn't just wasted um, by just going back in and you know just going out, running out to do valuations, running out to do viewings. Um, mm. We found the qualification process, good and bad, because... Um, some people just don't like it, which I suppose I'm all right with. Um, and I've had some pretty awful virtual valuations that I've done as well. And um, so I've also had a couple of pretty awful physical valuations because I'm not overly comfortable, if I'm being perfectly honest, going in houses yet. Um, and I think it comes across in my pitch, um, if that's the right word, um, when I've got a mask on and gloves. And I've actually today for the first time felt most comfortable in a in a house but that's been a that's been a particular challenge for me over the last couple of weeks i think Mm. i am finding the same with we're probably being more cautious now that the lockdown 
Rabbit Ears has, has ended than we were before because there's just so many more people on the streets, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and I still think the biggest risk to our business and probably the biggest risk to a load of small businesses out there is people getting ill. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've discussed if we're going to bring people back to work and agree that now is not the right time and probably next month might not be the right time as well, depending on what happens out there. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't envy estate agents being in a position that they are where there was very little notice. A lot of potentially their contemporaries have just gone, this is a chance for us to get in and get one over our people who are slowing down, not doing anything. And I, yeah, I, I hope that, that that sort of activity is few and far between, but it's probably not. So I don't know. It, it, yeah, I think if you've got a plan and a process, and I mean, you guys have, have done, I think, really well in understanding how you're going to operate and what you're going to offer people and pushing back on people that don't necessarily want to run that way. Mm-hmm. That's courageous, but I think it's going to serve you really well long term as well. I hope so. I hope so. We've got. I've. Got, I've also got a little story that I wanted to share with you um, <laughs> today. When we had Lewis Thorogood from Hill and Clark on the show, I think he talked about it on the show. He definitely talked to uh, to me about it on the telephone. Whereas he thought we might go into sort of this period of um, two weeks of people just running around and you know making you know sort of. Um, maybe silly decisions or impulsive decisions after, after lockdown. And I've, I've had um, a complete first in my estate agency um, career within the last week. So we had a property that was due to complete um, mid-June. And we got a call a couple of weeks ago from the purchaser to say, look, we've changed our mind. We're pulling out. Um, and I took the call and had a bit of a chat with him and said, well, why are you pulling out? And he wasn't completely convinced to pull out. So I, I called him, I, I sort of talked him around, brought the completion date forward, which helped sort of one of his, his concerns. And you know, off, off they went and they completed the purchase on Friday, just gone. Picked the keys up, picked the keys up at lunchtime. Um, and then we got a call a couple of hours later from the, the people that bought the house and one of my colleagues said, Oh, Mark, um, it's the buyers of this property. They've just completed today. They want to put it back on the market. Will you speak to them? And I was like, uh, yeah. So basically they bought the house two hours later, rang the office and said, can you put the house back on the market? We've made a massive mistake. We don't want to, um, we don't want to live here basically. So, um, what did you say? I, I had a chat with him, um, listened to his reasons, which were not um, anything really bad, just that he accepted that he was trying to please his new partner. His new partner was trying to please him. And um, they just, I suppose, were just very uncertain throughout lockdown and had made the decision that they didn't really want to. I actually said, will you sleep on it and speak to me early next week? And he said, I knew you were going to say that. Um, I don't know whether it's good business for you. And I said, look, it's fine. You know, another instruction. Yeah, that's great. Um, but I didn't want to just take the instruction there and then and put the property back on the market um, straight away. I would much rather make sure it's the right thing for them to do. And mm. they've rang me back today. We agreed on Friday that we would wait till Tuesday because I had a bit of research to do around mortgages and stuff. Um, and they've rang me back today. I was out of the office, so I've got to call him back. But he does still want to put the house straight back on the market. So um, 
that's a, that's a first for me. That's first within the company um, over our last 20 years of trading that we've had someone call on the day of completion and want to put the property on the market. So um, it just goes to show how big of a decision people make of two or three inspections. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I'm real. I mean, if there's anyone listening, let us know if this has happened to you, but I reckon it's probably more commonplace than, than we all think it is because there's got to be people that see a house and it's in showroom condition. You know, the furniture is that's in that house suits that house. It's not that person's furniture, whatever it is. And then they go, even doing their sort of pre settlement or pre completion inspection, they walk in and everything's where it should be. It's whatever. And then three days later they take the keys and they open it up and it's an empty shell. And Marks on the wall. Yeah. And you, you don't have that same feeling, you know, mm. how many people do you reckon just suck it up and are, are unhappy thinking, Oh, we'll just get through this. You know, at least those guys had sort of the courage to go, yeah, no worries. You know, yeah. we may as well put it back on the market. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be the easiest house to sell. I'm sure that then comes with you know, certain people thinking that something seriously was wrong, but in this situation, nothing's wrong. They just decided that they made a, made a mistake. It's always sort of um, bewildered me that people buy a house based on two 20 minute viewings often. Um, yeah. Massively. But, like you put more effort into a car, you take a car for a test drive. Yeah, you know, exactly. And it's nowhere near the biggest investment or, I, I used to say to people all the time, uh, like go and flush the toilet, turn the shower on, you know, yeah. because uh, you, you need that. Those things are what is going to make you get home from a massively long day at work. And if you've got to jump into a shower, it doesn't have good water pressure. You're just going to be pissed off. And yeah. people, you'd say that to people and they'd be like, Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, and then and, they, they breathe that sigh of relief and that's your relationship taken to the next level. Yeah, for sure. But I also think like this part of me that thinks like, how did you not think of that? Like, do what you would do living in your house in your new house aside from getting home whacking the oven on putting your feet up watching and telly or whatever it is but just those common things understand it you know take a drive past your house at 8 30 on a saturday night to see what your neighbors are really like and if they're raging do you want to have your newborn or whatever it is there you know yeah just all, all these things that when you go through the motions and you've seen so many people go through and you can advise them on how they can go through uh, you, you sort of tend to start to take for granted, but you really just need to be, like you said, be that trusted advisor, build a bit more rapport. But again, as an agent, when you're doing evaluation, flush the toilet, turn the shower on, you know, <laughs> don't tell the, the potential vendor what you're doing. And then they'll be like, why'd you do that? You're like, I just want to check your water pressure because yeah. it's really good. So I'm going to advise everyone else to, and they're going to go, Oh, wow, that's useful. Yeah. Next time you, when you guys are thinking of buying, make sure you do it. So it's a listing tool as well, yeah. you know? Nice. That's very nicely done, Mr. Hunter. I love that um, segue from our chat into relevant agent um, sort of takeaways. Yeah. Shall, we, shall we introduce today's guest? I think so. Let's do it. Today's guest has quite literally done it all in our industry. He founded the first online estate agent. He's been ND of a PLC overseeing 300 plus franchisees. And he became a LinkedIn sensation running a property industry consulting business out of his car. And most recently, and most importantly, he is the founder of the Federation of Independent State Agents. He's a longtime friend of the show, all-round good dude, Graham Locke. Welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Thank you. That was some, some intro. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> this is what you. happens when the pressure is on on a Monday night and you think, <laughs> how do you write something about a bloke you already know? You know, it's a lot easier <laughs> to write those about strangers because you go a little bit deeper. So <laughs> hope it was all right. Is the LinkedIn yeah. sensation the uh, David Brent stuff? A little bit of both, I think. It was uh, carpool, 
consultancy, so oh, sort of, um, ripping off the James Gordon thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then it was two episodes of Brent Estates, um, which was really good fun. Really good very, fun very entertaining. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. Very good. <laughs> but everyone told me you've got to get content out there. So kind of that's what we did. And just went on the uh, sort of the, the funny side. Um, just because agency can sometimes be a bit boring from the outside, I think. Um, there's so many great personalities in the industry, but they very rarely get to sort of get out there and, and, and voice who they are. So there's some brilliant, there's some brilliant people in our industry, as you all know. And I think in this day and age, we're getting to see those personalities come through. So for me, that was just the start of scratching the surface of what this industry has to offer. Cool. Um, before we started talking about like what's been going on over the last few months, what maybe will happen in the next few months, um, a little bit on the FIA. What, like, talk us through, you've done a lot in your career um, and you and I sort of briefly spoken about this in our own lives, but I, I thought it might be a good place to start. Like, what have you seen change in the industry from your sort of view of the industry through doing all the, all the stuff that you've done? Or maybe what haven't you seen change? Um, it's a good question. So when I, when I started the online business, I, w I was originally a high street estate agent and then went to online. <clears throat> and I was in the online world for 10 years, 10 years plus. So it's quite a long time. Um, when I went, then went back to MD at the property franchise group, I realized nothing had changed. So it was a 10 year period of nothing changing. And then inside the property franchise group, and in most, in most sort of traditional franchise offerings, you find that there's probably 10% of those franchisees that are leading that business and making 90% of the revenue. And then you've got 90%, so quite a long tail of average franchisees, I'd say. Um, that's probably a model that, that exists in, in, in different uh, brands throughout the country. But what I have noticed now more than ever is the speed of change since then. So since sort of 2017 to now, which is a relatively short period of time, the change has been quite significant. Um, and the change has been, I'd say model types, in particular so we were stuck as just high street estate agents for dozens of years obviously um the online market sort of made us have a look at them the model type a little bit and what customers really wanted and now we're seeing the evolution of the sort of hub and spoke or the associate model the keller williams exp etc etc new a new dawn of franchises sort of out there you know even stuff that mark's doing himself is he's offering something different to agents so i think for the first time in a long long time agents are actually starting to consider their core model type um, if they were to do it all again how would they do it and some are quite happy to stay in the high street and continue to do what they do because they're, they're very good and it works for them um, but yeah i think the, the the biggest change other than the sort of model types coming to it now is probably a pull away of agents i think there's a group forming uh, and it's not a great group it might be 10 percent of the market again so sort of 90 10 split that are going do you know what this is an opportunity to become brilliant estate agents and actually raise the standards of the industry we want to be licensed. We're all for that kind of thing. We don't want to keep um, bastardizing our fees. We want to make sure that we, we, we get paid what we're worth. And I think agents, are, so there's a group of agents now that are breaking away and finding their worth and going, you know what, we're going to look at the US model. We're going to look at the Australian model. We're going to look at all these models where they're earning more money and they're more respected. So I just think there's a, there's a pull to that now that we haven't seen before where, and I talk about respect quite a bit, that agents don't get respect because 90% let the side down. And they still use car salesmen, you know. And it's where that ten percent that are really, really good never quite get the respect they deserve that you might get in Australia or the US when you're a great realtor. And that's an excellent point. 
about the re- the, re- the respect side of things and hopefully everything that's going on at the moment um we can maybe make it 80 20 would be a be some progress um wouldn't it um sort of the next question i think leads in quite well to what you've you've said graham um in that there was no change for years and years and now the change has, has, has come fast so do you think that was sort of um learnings from the online um, side of things or could you tell us sort of one positive thing that you learned setting up um house network that then sort of the high street estate agents you know could adopt into their businesses yeah i think it's i think just the the, the we live in a digital world and digital age um, and I don't think we'll realize quite how quickly that evolved until we're gone uh, and people will look back and go crikey they went through a lot of change because they had to learn how to re-communicate because again for years and years we communicated by mail and then we communicated by telephone and that was just, that was it and then you had fax you know and telexes and and all of a sudden everything just kicked off so I think what, what I did when I started the online agencies, I realized actually people don't want to see us. They want to know we're there, which is really, really important. I'll probably come on to that in a minute. They want to know we're there, but they don't actually want to speak to us or see us. And again, I think that's reputational because mm. we, did, we didn't build personal relationships back then. We just let right move list it and wait for the yeah. phone to ring. So that all kind of stopped as well at the same time. So people just decided, you know what, why don't you just give me something online that I can do, because that's how I'm doing everything else. So I think communication, the way we communicate changed and is actually continuing to change right now. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest catalyst for agents to think differently about their model types, about flexible working. You know, if people want to be WhatsApp at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, rather than at two in the afternoon, we're on the Pilates or the school run at three, then that, that's got to be the way it has to be done. Um, so that opens up new flexible working hours. Then you realize, you know, do we need the office set up or does that work because we're building the culture? There's so many different questions around it, but I think communication is leading a lot of the change. Mm. I would agree with that. I, and hopefully, I, I've seen probably both sides, I reckon, over the last couple of weeks in that people have continued on what they saw was you know, their version of best practice through the lockdown where it was all about communication. It was all about talking to people, but to, to the other side of that coin, I've also seen people go back, back to just answering the phone, you know, and then hounding people being like the market's back open again. You know, do you want to buy something or do you want a free valuation or something like that? So it's that long-term change. I think you hit it on the head mark. If we were to say we want all agents to start changing and do these sort of world-class habits, it's a probably a dangerous thought to have whereas if we can take it from 10% to 20% you know and then work on getting another 10% every year that's probably achievable um and that i think comes down to a lot like a lot of the people that you're working with like independent agents and so i'm sort of following your career if that's okay so you did you did a high street estate agency online estate agency took care of franchises now i've come back to independent agents you know why why did you want to come back to working and supporting the independent agent? So I wanted to unveil that 10% that we talk, talk about, I guess. Um, so I, I could see where the market was going, where the changes were happening. Um, so I wanted to form a group of agents, almost a boutique group of agents that really got it. Um, and they really cared and they wanted to be recognized as being professionals in their field. And I felt there was a gap in the market to produce that group of independent agents. And being at the franchise group taught me a couple of things. One of them was that getting together, having conferences, 
uh, networking as a group actually was quite a powerful thing in a non-competitive environment. So again, that's something we've never done really well over here. Um, agents have always been ultra competitive, like ridiculously uh, brutal at times to each other. Um, so that's why we only have one agent in every town because we don't want that ridiculous competitiveness. We want it to help each other. Mm. So it, it was, you know, going through furlough and things like that that we did recently, that the group was so supportive to each other. Um, we have a WhatsApp group, for example, and, and that was just buzzing. Um, you think 10 years ago, having a WhatsApp group, obviously WhatsApp did, probably didn't exist, but having a group of agents that would help each other in everyday life and actually just get through the struggles of, of that particular moment in time, which was unique. Um, so they're just, there's, there's a group of really good agents out there. There's not that many, as I say, and we keep saying this 10%. I think we're absolutely right. I think it, it might never get beyond 20%, but actually by nature that will become the 100% because the other 80 will fall away. Mm. So that, I'm trying to form that breakaway group of top, top independents that want to help each other and be a new, a new age estate agent. We, we have um, something very similar, Graham, with our... Um, sort of whatsapp group and i think we both um probably favor the independent agent um route often with those sort of business owners the support that we see within our network i'm sure it's exactly the, the same within yours it, it's it's definitely given me a massive shot in the arm um and an increased passion for this industry i would say i was always um passionate about it but to see those independent agents from one area or another massively supporting um each other to try and work to better themselves i think is really refreshing um and it invigorates i'm, I'm sure it invigorates you as well as your members um within the group i think it's a fantastic thing that um is going on hopefully like you say that we can push that 10 percent to to the 20 percent or or beyond and i guess in that um the other 80 percent are going to massively struggle because the market's probably going to be tough over the next um few years yeah i don't think you can go back now um i think if you're an agent and you go back without realizing what's just happened and you haven't had that sort of wake up call um I do think nature will just take care of that. Um, but the ones that do come through this, I mean, we're, we're you know, I'm not, I'm not picking up what I've done in FIA because it, it's not me, it's, the, it's my member agents, but they're all absolutely flying off the back of this uh, epidemic, this pandemic. Um, so they, they position their business, they use the time to really dig in and go, right, we're going to come back better than this and come back stronger than this. We're going to adopt the new technologies that we need to adopt. We're going to do it now. There's no excuses. And now they've just hit the hit the ground running, which is which is which is phenomenal. So I think the expectation of the customer is going to start to go up as well. So if you want cheap, you can always get cheap. That's always an option in any in any world. But if you want quality, you want professional, you want someone to look after you. I think it goes back to what Sam says when, when we speak a lot about building relationships. Um, it's not something that we've been great at over here. Um, using our existing database isn't something we've been great at doing over here. But it's all there for them, especially the established businesses that have got all, this, all these people that they can pick up the phone to uh, and strike up conversations. So a lot of it is, is, is actually going back to basics, um, which, which sounds weird, doesn't it? But that's what we need to do again. I think we, we dehumanised the state agency through the online being launched and then the portals becoming so dominant. Mm. We dehumanised it. Um, and it became almost too easy to be an estate agent. So... I think it's great that we're going back to basics. Great that there's more choice out there for, for portals because there's probably going to be 10 at some point this year that you, the agents might be aware of, whereas before it was two. 
uh, maybe three, as we know those three are. Um, so the, the, the landscape's changing, and I think agents, as I keep saying, the agents that really get this are actually starting to feel the benefits really early. And I think next year is going to be even better for those guys and girls. I would agree. I, I want to come back, Mark, to your point um, about you know, working to actually, uh, at scale, improve the industry, and it starts with the agent. And, and this is a question for probably the both of you. But like, do you think that for the industry to actually improve and change it is up to the independent agent because it's it's we were talking about this like within our business like the bigger you get the harder it is to change course um and whereas if you are a one three even a 10 branch network brand whatever it would be you can probably make those changes quite quickly and actually implement new processes and and you'll have likely uh like people in the business are a little bit more open to um, it becoming a career rather than just that sort of job. Whereas I don't think that exists in, in the massive companies. So like there's a pretty key role to play, I think from independence, right? I think so. Yeah. I think it's a really good point. Um, I think the corporates, I mean, obviously the independents are the larger part of the, the market. They make up the, the biggest segmentation of the market. So mm. the, the, a lot of that responsibility will fall into the independence hands. Um, I think the corporates will always be the Titanic's, and I think the independent independence will always be the speedboats, and that's just always that's always going to be the way it is. And, and as you said, Sam, you're, you're probably experiencing it a little bit now. It's it, it does get hard to turn things around, um, but at the same time, corporates could inject um, finance, they could inject enthusiasm, they could inject inject change culture from the top if they wanted to, because mm. that will soon filter down. There's no excuse. You look at Apple or whoever you want to look at Facebook, big, 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 big companies out there that they put a culture in the top and it just flows down the whole business. But it takes a lot of time, it takes resource, it takes togetherness, it takes rewards, all those kind of things. Are corporates gonna make that leap mm. and, and be that thing? Um, it's, a, it's a very expensive exercise, I think, for them, literally. Maybe, maybe it will be one or two corporates that actually do adopt um, that sort of change, do embrace the changes that we believe are happening in the industry. They're, they might be the corporates that um, survive and thrive, maybe. Um, yeah. Because if we are talking about, I completely agree, the independents have the ability to change course very, very quickly. The corporates um, have got to work a lot harder for a lot longer um, yeah. to make the sort of changes that we see happening every day in, in independent agents. So it's really easy for an independent agent to sit down um, over the last 12 weeks and say, right, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to do it this way. You know, that for a corporate, as you know, Graham, is much more difficult for them, for them really to do. They've got to yeah. get all the buy-in. They've got to change all the process. They've got to train all of the staff. Um, so I think you know, naturally independents have got a massive opportunity now um, yeah. to grab some market um, acting differently to how the corporates, no doubt, will, yeah. you know, will still be acting up. I think it's fully, the opportunity is totally in independent agents' hands, absolutely. I think the corporates are in danger of becoming a training company for mm -hmm. agents to get their stripes and then go and do what they really want to do, which is work for a really good independent. And they could end up just becoming a training platform, which they probably do now anyway, in many respects. Um, Maybe that's something they could, they could consider, but it, it seems like all the great talent does end up in independence somewhere or on their own after being at a corporate. That's quite a, a well-told story, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, 
I've noticed sort of in, in some of the stuff that you've been talking about with your members, with the industry, you've been talking a lot about the bounce back, you know, are, are we in the bounce back now? And if we are, how long is it going to last? What's going to come next? You know, well, from, from where I sit, we are most definitely in the bounce back. Um, I think from, from the stats that I read we, we, in the reports I see, we, we're about 75% of where we were versus 19 overall. And that's with those, with that downtime taken into account. So that's a hell of a, hell of a comeback to be fair. Um, and I've been saying to, to, to agents, if you're feeling that comeback, if you're feeling the bounce back, it might not actually be because there's a load of new business that you're winning. You might just be getting it by default because other agents just still aren't there. So they've, they've woken up in a bit of a slumber, gradually gone back to work. So there's, imagine the amount of messages and phone calls and voicemails and things that agents haven't gone back to because they haven't had the capacity. So by default, just by being open and, then, and being visible during lockdown, which all of them in our group were, um, they're getting the calls, they're getting the, 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 the calls to go out for valuation. So just by being them and being open and being ready, has made it feel really, really busy. So I don't think we will see a spike in transaction volumes from 900,000 to 1.5 billion. It's not that sort of bounce back. There's a little bit of volume coming back in, but I think it's market share now. I think it's market share redistribution, which the good agents have started to benefit from. I'd agree with that. Um, so is, is it sustainable? Yes, for the good agents. I think they're just going to get more and more share. Yeah, for me, that's, that's where... I think like we've been sort of saying in our conversations with agents, like the next 90 days is, is crucial to probably the next two years and maybe um, for the last two years as well, because of everything that we've been through um, the changes they've made in their businesses, whether they keep them going or whatever it is, but actually setting themselves up so that if anybody has to move and when you have to move, it's very rarely a positive thing, right? And if anybody later this year, early next year onwards has to move that the best agents, um, and I would class you know, members of your group as those, as seeing it as a responsibility to move those people rather than just an opportunity. Obviously, there is an opportunity there. Yeah. But the, the best agents need to view it as like, okay, these, these people uh, find themselves in a position that perhaps six months ago they didn't, they would yeah. never have thought themselves to be in it's our duty to make sure they come out of it as well as they can on the other side. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think that's the mindset that agents have to adopt. And if you have that mindset, then it makes picking up the phone a lot easier. It does, but it's actually a really difficult skill because if someone's getting divorced or someone's died or someone's lost their job, so all the you know, difficult things that you mentioned about, you know, sometimes it's not a nice move. Mm. If you're just a, corporate machine you're dealing with that person exactly the same way as you dealt with the guy that just won the lottery and he's moving you can't speak to those two groups the same way mm. like it just you're just going to lose the instruction like get the get go so i think it's a real it's a real you know agents is quite deep i think psychologically um i think actors would make brilliant estate agents <laughs> because they could just turn that on like they could turn on the sympathy tap or they can turn on the yeehaw when someone like david brand yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's we are going to be stuck in this sort of million nine hundred thousand ish range, maybe one point one million next year. Um, but the market share is going to come from within the industry, and I think you're right, Sam. I think those false moves are still going to take place. But the agents that truly understand what that person is going through, and I don't mean that they've had to have gone through it themselves. 
but they just they just have some empathy towards it is a big thing agreed yeah and and a lot of that comes with being a decent human being i think graham absolutely right yeah i totally agree with you because you've got to come across as genuine haven't you and and sincere yeah yeah absolutely Um, a question we ask every guest on this show graham is what does world-class estate agency look like to you what does it look like um it looks like building relationships um because it's it's one of those simple things that people forget to do and it's just and it's almost practice isn't it it's like you know, Lionel Messi, David Beckham, people like that, probably in their day, as Beckham in his day, would just stay behind and practice and practice and practice and practice over and over again. And it would be the simple things. It might be taking a 20-yard free kick. But you do it two or three times, and in a game, you might hit or miss. If you do it 3,000 times in training, you're probably going to stick it in the top corner. So I think a lot of agencies, very basic stuff, but you've just got to keep practicing, 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 and just keep refining it and getting better at it. Um, for me, that's, that's world-class agencies doing the basics over and over again but just improving them a little bit every time and eventually you'll just be you'll just be yeah you, you you're world class at that stage anyway because you're doing you're putting the effort in marginal gains absolutely very good um before we wrap up graham um how can if anyone's interested in the fia um or we've you've got uh Fiacon on tomorrow do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how people can get in touch with you yeah, so uh, FearCon is our uh, sort of quarterly members event where we get keynote speakers along. We've got a guy called Sam Hunter tomorrow who's uh, headlining. Um, <laughs> and we, we, <laughs> 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 um, and we, we, we bring along new ideas, a bit of thought leadership, uh, market intelligence, that kind of thing to all of our members just to keep them ahead of the curve. Um, we've got some great stuff, some, some really new products being unveiled tomorrow. And we get exclusivity because we, we have sort of group buying power. So our members like to come along to these events, see what's new. It saves them doing the research. Um, and then we sort of pre-bake some nice commercial terms for them, which they can take advantage of. But it's a real learning day. Normally they're physical, which is a shame. They have to be virtual, but we'll make it work. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to that. And yeah, FIA, um, if anyone's interested, the website, fia.co.uk. Um, everything you need to know is on there. Uh, for independent agents to become in that world-class bracket, I guess. Nice one. Thank you for your time, particularly so early in the morning. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks very much, Graham. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's great for the independent agents. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Sam. See you later. See ya. Bye. A big thank you to Graham Locke from the Federation of Independent Agents for joining us today. Um, We have been talking amongst ourselves as we do this show, Mark and I. Um, We would usually at this point be doing a wrap-up of everything that we went through with Graham, but it has occurred to us, um, and we've had some sort of friendly taps on the shoulders, that potentially for the last nine or so months of us doing this podcast, we may have been mansplaining uh, what our guests had given up time to run through. So we, we're kind of looking for some feedback. If you see this on Facebook or if you see it on LinkedIn and you've, you've got this far into our podcast, let us know if you want us to keep doing the sort of wrap up and breakdown of everything that we spoke about with our guests or whether we should actually just leave our guests be our guests and go from there yeah absolutely if you could let us know that would be um be much appreciated thank you very much for for listening as you know we do this because we love our industry we want to see it get better so if you like what what you're hearing please share it out on social media hit subscribe share it with your colleagues um i'm mark warrell he's sam hunter we will see you again next week